0: This is Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers by writers and readers. Hello and welcome to Dissecting Dragons. I'm Madeleine Vaughan.
1: And I'm Jules Ironside. This week Cottage Court and Interdimensional Cafes. Cozy
0: speculative fiction. Uh, just the word cottage feels strangely cozy doesn't it
1: yeah uh, anyway this is a lighter topic this week um, and one which has a tiny bit of crossover with our regency fantasy episode so if you mm-hmm. listen to that there might be a few little themes in common but it is slightly different yeah um, the other thing is I would say please don't be deceived by the title because it's not a deep dive into Cottage core. I think that actually deserves its own episode at some point I
0: totally agree I totally agree uh, now lots of subgenres have arisen in the last 10 years um one which has caught jules lately um is cozy fantasy and science fiction and to be honest um it's caught her but i've always been a massive <laughs> massive fan of, of
1: uh... i think madeline may have even come to it before i did because of the the, the fan fiction angle and the, the whole coffee shop au and i feel like um sorry i've derailed her slightly there but yeah basically the the coffee shop a u type aesthetic and feel has sort of bled into me yeah fancy. i think
0: so as well and i um, i think that there's also um for, in anime there has been there's a, for a long time been slice of life stuff but slice of life fantasy in particular um has become very popular and of course yeah, it's then absolutely. also become a very popular book genre as well um and i should say that i say it's anime but a, a lot of it started as light novels in japan as well and i think that as they became popular as well we're starting to see a lot more of it bleeding into western novels too um now we all have our comfort reads and films for when we need them um but uh, a cozy fantasy is a subgenre with a few very specific tropes which we are going to get into
1: let us just say that As with fantasy, you might like epic fantasy, you might like high fantasy, you might like grimdark. With cosy fantasy, your mileage may vary in the same way. Um, Mm. So just as people like different levels of of gore and gritty descriptions, people might well find they like different levels of of sweetness and cosiness in their fantasy as well
0: so uh, all right let's begin what actually is cozy speculative fiction
1: yeah Um, well these are generally my observations because i don't think it's a fully defined genre yet it's still evolving which is great yeah um but i find that cozy speculative fiction is science fiction fantasy or paranormal mystery Mm -hmm. or even occasionally horror which tends to be very character driven to start with
0: yeah now, there is conflict, but it tends to mostly be internal um and the external conflict is generally not particularly gory or disturbing um or it really kind of takes a back seat in comparison,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely so um and we will obviously get into that a bit more later, but while the while cozy fancy might or cosy science fiction even, might deal with difficult topics. They might be mentioned or even explored. It's generally done in such a way as to not provoke stress or remove you from your comfort zone. So where you've got things like horror, which are very confronting, or where you've got sort of graphic crime, which again is very confronting with things like murder and and rape, etc. Or even fantasy, again, where you can go more towards the grim, dark end of the spectrum. Again, it really gets in your face with it um cozy fantasy and science fiction do the complete opposite so there might be a dead body but yeah, nobody's going to make you look at it um, too closely
0: <laughs> again i think one of the things with cozy fantasy is that it it kind of actually looks at the the hugeness of everyday trauma so rather than having oh god i've just had to kill my best friend because he was trying to murder the king um sort of trauma which we might get in in sort of regular fantasy uh it might instead be um more along the lines of um oh god i think i you know just don't i can't communicate properly with the people i love and i feel like they're pulling away from me kind of thing
1: yeah i mean uh, if you want an example of what could be a cozy fantasy, if you imagine the entire, like pre the entire Harry Potter series, and um, what you're doing is you're following Molly Weasley up until the point where Harry Potter comes into their lives, that would be cozy fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very cottagecore cozy fantasy as well.
0: Yes. It, so there would be, be
1: conflicts and things, but mostly it would be kind of like, are Fred and George going to get kicked out of school?
0: <laughs> yes, and and perhaps it might be a little bit of well uh, as well of. Um are we are we going to be able to how, how are we going to cover costs this month or, or things like that or right well perhaps i'll need to do this etc um, so it tends to actually it's not necessarily that the emotions are smaller but they're more relatable and actually um, you kind of get a lot of mileage out of them in the way that it sort of explores things in a, in a way that's actually more realistic to how we live our lives but in very high fantasy or, or, or speculative settings Yeah, absolutely. And there's a big emphasis on comfort. I think that's the big thing is that you get the hurt, um, but there's comfort is the main thing. It's about resolving problems. It's about actually moving towards something which is better, which I think is just very nice. (laughs) It's cathartic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, another thing I've noticed with any cosy fantasy I've read, even when they're in a series, each book leaves you with some sense of resolution. That doesn't mean there aren't sub- threads and things which get followed up in subsequent books but each book resolves and i'm not even talking about a Mm. fantasy that leaves you on a cliffhanger or whatever i'm just talking about the you're left feeling like it's been resolved um so yeah yeah, again it's that you're not
0: left with a character who's in a state of you know who's totally distraught for example um they tend to be in a in a calm stronger position by the end
1: Definitely. Okay, so you might ask yourself, basically you're describing fantasy to me without any real conflict. Doesn't that make it boring? (laughs) No. (laughs) We say no. We say that would be wrong. Uh, Because, look, you can drive an entire series without conflict if you master the skills of tension and suspense. Yes. Tension and suspense don't necessarily need to be, oh God, a serial killer is coming down the corridor. It can just simply be, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month, um, and you can have a humorous sidekick in there as well. I don't know. Talking <laughs> or
0: something. Absolutely, and of course, conflict. Um, you can have different levels of conflict. You can have conflict which isn't, you know, you could have a bully, for example. That's conflict, um, but it isn't necessarily yeah. the bully isn't going to come at you with a machete necessarily. Okay, it's more like perhaps they're just making life difficult for you um and the fact of the matter is (laughs) um is that there are going to be some people who are like no i'm not interested in this because it's too much like my everyday life um i want something which is epic i want something which is bigger and that's fair enough like we've said different mileage for different people and within this subgenre, there's going to be some where it's very much there actually isn't any conflict at all. Um, but there is a little bit of tension and suspense in certain cases, a little bit of misunderstanding. Um, to be honest, if it gets too comfy, I get bored with it. I, d- I don't mind dipping into it, but I get bored with it. Um, and then yeah. you might have it sort of on the other end where it's just, just within that genre, where actually there is quite, that you do have conflict and sometimes you do have some pretty serious conflict, but it tends to be, as Jules mentioned before, a lot of internal conflict. Um, For example, you might have a character who is dealing with depression um, and has lots of sort of difficulties actually associating with people, but ultimately it's a story about how they're getting better, how they're making friends, how they're finding peace with themselves um, and actually kind of, uh, and also peace with, and that tends to also be represented with them finding peace with whatever magical world they're also in, whether they're whether that's the everyday world or they've been transported or etc.
1: Yeah, definitely. Basically, because cosy fantasy tends to be very character-driven, it gives the reader an empathetic connection with the main character. So If you can create that connection then you're in the main character's head and you're definitely not bored because their conflicts their internal issues become yours for a short while
0: yeah it's kind of like they 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 become friends it's like being part of a group of friends (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, definitely but but Um, mileage
0: does vary obviously
1: yeah definitely um so my, my other comment here is look sometimes you want an intense five course meal But dear God, sometimes you just want a bowl of stew in your PJs, followed by apple (laughs) crumble. And this is why the sort of coffee shop AU thing is is so popular, because sometimes what you want to see are characters like the people you know and love, but you just don't want to necessarily see them suffering or, you know, mild suffering. This is going to sound
0: totally ridiculous, Um, but there is a... Uh, so it's not speculative fiction by any means um but there's a show called the repair shop um on bbc which i've I've actually mentioned okay. before i actually wrecked it because i just find it really really easy to watch and in the repair shop what happens is people bring beloved objects which are in a state of disrepair um and the the people the experts in the shop prepare it and the stories they come up with incredibly emotional like um you know someone comes in and says this was made this was a clock that was ba- made by my by my father he died recently he never got to see it working properly um or it 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 was destroyed i mean they've had cases where you know something's been been destroyed because it was in the war or or something has sort of fallen apart or been broken and the family are distraught it's like a connection with usually someone who's died um or someone in the past and and then it, it gets repaired and you get to watch being repaired and that is its ultimate I mean, I know it's not speculative fiction, but honestly, there is a kind of magic to it. Um, And it's that vibe exactly, which is we have brought something sad and something meaningful. It's got a sad story attached to it. But by the end, it's been fixed. And you get to see everyone being like, oh, God, that's wonderful and crying and they feel reconnected. And that's that's the vibe. That's it's the exact same vibe. And sometimes, you know, we'll have had a a long day and we could be like, we could watch this movie or we could just watch an episode of the repair shop it's got a very repetitive structure we kind of know exactly the the formula that's going to be going on the unique elements will be each of the individual objects and how they tackle them um but it's just easy cozy watching where by the end you feel you've gone through a small emotional roller coaster and then by the end you feel very much ah catharsis it's done everyone's happy <laughs>
1: i think that's the thing isn't it and yeah. it's something i didn't write in my notes but yeah basically with cozy fantasy you know what you're getting when you go in yeah or at least if they've done it the author's done it right you you know what you're getting you know going in that everything is going to be okay in the end it's like picking up a georgette Hare novel yeah. you know by the end of it the couple will have sorted out their issues yeah um and I wouldn't obviously say Georgette Hare's cosy fantasy. She's very definitely Regency yeah. Romance. But it's,
0: it's history. again, it's the Hallmark Christmas movies. You know what you're getting, okay? You know exactly what you're getting.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have to say, yeah, as, as you said, if it's too cosy, yeah. then you get bored. And if it, to me, if it's too cosy, generally that means that I'm finding yeah. it too saccharine. In which case, that is too sweet for my palate. <laughs> but again, everyone likes different... I mean I like to think that I like to not know every single beat that's coming but there is something incredibly comforting about going for cozy fantasy and it's a case of yeah there's going to be fantastical elements there's going to be a bit of conflict someone's that you know something's going to go wrong here or there I don't know exactly what's going to happen but I'm pretty sure that by the end everything's going to be okay and if the author does it right they will deliver it to me with a big bow on it and instead of me going, oh god, that was really gross and saccharine, I'll just be going, oh, that was so lovely. And that is the, that is basically what I want. That oh, it's so lovely. <laughs> I get that
0: from so very yes, little. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and 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 you're right. I mean, there is a, there is a proven psychological thing, which is that actually people, um, there are some people who actually really like knowing what a movie is about or what's going to happen in a movie, um, and it actually increases their enjoyment. Um, or, or, yeah, or, or in the, a book as
1: well it's kind of the spoiler review. some people write spoiler reviews very specifically for people who want to know what's going to happen before they read the yeah.
0: book and to be honest sometimes I'm like that for some things I'm actually like actually I kind of want to know what's going to happen because it will increase my enjoyment of it because I can appreciate it kind of being put together it doesn't spoil it for me despite the fact they're called spoilers it doesn't spoil it in the least I actually find it it enhances it in a lot of ways um, for some things for other things I'd rather not have any spoilers at all um but yeah, yeah I think there is a reason why these kinds of formats and again we see a lot of fan fiction and obviously these trends are now really getting into a lot of fiction are so popular because they are, we're familiar with them. We know what what we're getting with them. Um and there is comfort in that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think you've even asked for the odd spoiler for Harker and Blackthorn because you didn't I have didn't want to actually. wait. You wanted to know going in that something was going to be alright.
0: Yeah, I to be honest, I am very impatient, which is probably one of the issues. Um I've gotten better since I've been getting older. Um but I yeah, I am not good with tension or suspense that goes on for too long. And you are very good at drawing things out. So I feel yeah, like I I'm justified. Anyway. I'm the,
1: worst. Uh, the thing is with me, I, I'm very impatient when I'm waiting for a book I want, but I also don't want any spoilers. Yes. <laughs> so you just, it, there's no way around it with me. You just get me frustrated <laughs> and occasionally nudging you
0: and saying so. Kestrel. Kestrel. What I do then is I'll just be like, here, do you want a snippet? And you'll be like, "Mm, yeah. As long as it's (laughs) non-spoilery.
1: And then I want to fire questions at you about that snippet, but I don't want you to answer them. I'm really a very complicated person to satisfy. (laughs)
0: You're you're like a human cat. That's what it is. (laughs) So some of the main tropes uh, that we get um, in this genre. Now, the first one um, is that murder might happen. Uh, as jill said you might see the body uh but gore is going to be low and it isn't completely devastating for the main character so for example um in this kind of thing you might actually have a character who is there to investigate a murder rather than someone who is seeing the body of someone that they actually really know or love
1: yeah or you know it can be someone who was kind of like an acquaintance or a friend or something like that but they weren't ever they hadn't reached the stage of being really really close it's, it's quite noticeable in sort of the cozy paranormal mystery mm. type thing someone generally will die because that's n- nearly always what sparks yeah. off the mystery um but it will be kind of oh that's that's mrs rabinovich from downstairs uh, i knew her to say hello to we were just starting yeah. to become more friendly and you go down because you're returning her casserole dish and oh yeah. god she's dead on the floor kind of thing and it's horrible and it's a shock but at the same time it's not like no and a to be honest or
0: more often than not if they're if dead bodies do appear in the stories um it's usually more as a kind of a tragic backstory so unless it's a, a cozy murder mystery um it's much more I lost my parents or I've recently buried my grandfather or you know something like that Um, and again it's very low-key for a lot of it it's very human kind of emotions it's not high dramatics Um, it's quiet and sometimes loud um, uh, you know grieving but it's meant to kind of feel very realistic in a lot of ways. Yeah,
1: definitely. Okay, the setting is often craft or home related. So, yeah. a tavern, a coffee shop, a bakery, a knitting group. There's this great book called um, "It's a, bit a Knitting Circle uh, <laughs> that is actually run by a vampire librarian, for example. Um, it's a small town where supernaturals are out living peacefully, mostly, alongside humans. And, or, you yeah. know, it's a town that happens to have more than the usual number of witches. So you know going yeah, in with this setting that um, you're going to be able to relax
0: and... a lot. <laughs> I think to be honest um, the reason that this is very popular is that there are a lot of particularly fantasy, people who love speculative fiction who are also very into kind of crafts. Um, you know, they like they might be musicians they might like yeah. drawing um, and again I should make make a point that being into crafts enjoying crafts doesn't necessarily mean you are you know a professional that's not it at all there are some people who just enjoy drawing and that's good um and i think there are a lot of people as well who kind of dream of just have that dream of going ah just to be able to retire and run a little shop in a tiny little you know seaside village you know the whole i'd love to run a little bookshop in a seaside town kind of thing (laughs) um i think it's appealing for a lot of reasons uh not necessarily always practical and obviously it's often obviously any kind of job is difficult as anyone who creates or crafts things for a living will tell you it's not just fun and games it's deadlines and a lot of hard work um but the dream is there people love the idea of just being able to create do something that they enjoy and be able to make money off of it um so I think that's why these kinds of settings are very, very popular. Um, because, for example, you might have a tavern, but it, it tends to not to be a particularly, you know, rugged tavern. Yeah, it's um, not
1: It's not Friday night's all right for fighting, is it? It's kind yeah. of... Yeah, we, you go there and everybody's sort of equal there, even though they don't get on on the outside, maybe. Yeah. And you have all sorts of different creatures and there's usually someone playing a harp or a violin or something. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, And it's just you know it's who are all the interesting characters i might meet um and again there's lots of it so you know we do have coffee shop bakery the knitting group um they might also be for example uh healers is a really popular one in that they 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 yeah. make kind of potions or things like that sometimes they uh collect items um or they might even be i I saw one, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was about a a young a young witch essentially who's immortal, and she just moved into this little house on the edge of of town, and she's surrounded by little slimes, which are very low level monsters, and she's just been sort of going out there, and she's just kind of been killing the slimes as they as they go, but she's been at it for six hundred years. Um, which means that actually she's yeah. she's maxed out her levels. She's incredibly powerful at this point. Yeah. Um despite the fact that she's never all she was doing is basically living her best simple little life, which was that she, you know, she was making her own bread, she was kind of going into town, and, and next thing you know, basically the entire village have basically said, You are the protective mage, you know, the the witch who basically protects our entire uh town because you've (laughs) maxed out your levels
1: (laughs) she's like come again okay you need to remember what that's called because i want to read that
0: (laughs) so i think it's an anime I, i i think it is actually based on a light novel though so i'll have to i'll have to find it out but it is it's very very sweet it's simple watching and it's totally within this genre yeah
1: Okay other tropes um physical action and violence is kept to a mm. minimum and is often played for humor so even if you've got someone who kind of knows what they're doing um as an antagonist yeah. generally the protagonist isn't necessarily incompetent but they're kind of they're more likely to grab a frying pan um in a desperate moment and bring yeah. someone with it or this is not yeah. Buffy the worst uh, you know if
0: there stuff. is you know conflict sometimes conflict does happen it tends to be over very quickly or you, what you sometimes get is you get this whole setup for a fight is about to happen and then something will get in the way or something will ha- will kind of diffuse the situation in some form or another
1: yeah absolutely and again you can kind of you can kind of play it for laughs i've seen i wouldn't necessarily describe jodie Taylor's books mm. as um Mm. of cosy although sometimes they have a cosy feel um but there'll be a moment when max who in the chronicles of saint mary the time traveling historians um goes oh you know bloody bollocking hell i've got to do something about it and she's like, i'm not a fighter at all um and it, it is kind of the the grabbing a frying pan type thing or the grabbing the back of somebody's cassock and yanking on them and it kind of works out for her but also not at the same time and she's keeping up this wry commentary of what's going on at the same time as in i was absolutely really brilliant <laughs> apart from the fact that
0: i knocked it's, us both it, down it makes stairs. me think also another example is the apprentice witch by james so, nickel the first book um obviously arianwen um yeah is i did get that name right didn't i yeah arianwen uh she she's not a she's a witch but she's yeah. not a fighter um the there's like one thing you know um she she kind of has to fight the i've just forgotten the, are they called snotlings or something like that yeah and um and even then it's kind of quite comedic but the way that she something kind that of actually yeah. deals with most of the conflict or most of the problems is with wits by luring it away uh by using certain types of magic but there's it, she doesn't really use any kind of offensive types of magic and instead she has this little you know she has this little shop um well I say it's a little shop it's her little office um, and it describes the fact that obviously she makes these charms and things like that that people need and stuff um, which I just I loved the way that that was described and there's this whole bit I remember vividly where it just talks about her you know getting up and and she kind of makes herself some tea and has a little cake and I'm just there like just sounds great she's in this little village she's got her own little it sounds fantastic it's quiet a
1: bit to the studio ghibli films isn't it
0: yeah exactly i mean and things like uh my neighbor totoro yeah that is actually very much i think within this genre
1: Yeah, I mean, in theory, if you took that and bent it in a different direction, a giant troll type monster that may or may not be friendly to children could be a horror story. (laughs) And yet the way they've done it is so comfy.
0: Yeah, it really, really could. be, And it it is very comfy. And and the threats and things are very relatable. I mean, one of the biggest sort of the bits of tension is that at one point, the, the little girl, the little sister gets lost and they find a shoe in the river and you know there's this whole oh my god has she drowned and no she hasn't she's just she's just gotten lost because she's trying to find her mother and i fully expected their mother to die um but in the end spoilers guys she's fine she just gets she gets to come home she she recovers um and that is i was like oh this is so comfortable (laughs) this is so comforting (laughs)
1: Yeah, that film's like getting to go back to a time when you were a bit confused and frightened as a child and finding yeah, out that absolutely. everything's
0: all right. Um, I, I do remember <laughs> my I got my brother to start watching some uh, sort of anime movies and things like that relatively recently. And he watched My Neighbor Totoro relatively recently as well. Um, and yeah, he was saying it, it was, it defied all the kind of particular tropes that you tend to get in fantasy um in that there was this tension there was but there wasn't really conflict but there was tension throughout and you could turn around and say well this is a bit boring it's just the tale of two two sisters who kind of happen to meet this strange creature in the garden and they're actually just trying to deal with the fact they've moved somewhere and their mother's not very well um there's no actual you know there's no outward plot as it were but there is a huge internal one and i think that that is very much at the at the heart of this genre yeah, yeah absolutely
1: uh, okay so topics like rape and torture are never dealt with on page or in detail so you might have mention of them so um a good example for me is the uh, tiffany aching books by terry pratchett which are part of his discworld mm. series but they're very much more sort you know, she's a she's a young girl who wants to be grow up to be a witch and she gets herself yeah. into all sorts of scrapes on the way up and it tends to be played much you know, as Terry Pratchett obviously is played for laughs, but much more for laughs, less less dark satire, if you like. Yeah. But it doesn't shy away from some of the nastier things. Of course it doesn't, because uh, witches in Tiffany's community they go around helping, you know, old people who can't walk anymore, who've just been kind of abandoned by their children. They go around helping to deliver babies and things. So, yeah, you're not blind to the day to day struggles of life, but at the same time, it's presented in a way that gives you this wholeness to life. Yeah. If you see what I mean.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, it will depend on the level of kind of. genre that you're going into Uh, there might be some which do go into more darker stuff and there might be some which would wouldn't even touch it with a barge pole yeah definitely okay so the next is that the romance elements tend to be sweet and because it's character driven focuses on personality compatibility with physical desire coming in second Um, and i think probably this is one of the main reasons i really like this genre
1: yeah sometimes you just don't want the stress of
0: yeah it's not it's not massive sexual attraction though uh you know you can have that as well it's two people who kind of seem to be getting on um and
1: i i don't know whether it's because i'm very demi and I sit right in the middle and I just don't find yeah. people attractive until I find something interesting about them. <laughs> Why I'm gravitating towards that sort of romance. No, I'm exactly but the same. Maybe. Um, and I don't know. yeah,
0: I think that largely that does kind of play into it, I think for me, is that it's just it feels nice and actually the other thing is that I feel in a lot of ways I'm more invested in their relationship because I'm invested in them as characters and the dynamic yeah. they have together as characters is very important. Um, it's not just about the fact that they, um, you know, they kind of have sort of a sexual thing. Now, I'm talking about a lot of anime um, and I feel like a, a weeb, uh, but <laughs> there's another anime within this genre, uh, which is called, um, I got kicked out of a hero's party. Now I haven't, fi- I know, um, uh, I got kicked out of the hero's party and went and started a a, a, a potion shop in the boonies or something like that. They, they have really specific titles. Now, I haven't watched the whole oh thing. And they do have a little bit of drama, but it is at its core, particularly the first few episodes, massively uh, just this genre. It's very comfy. Um, and it literally is just basically... This guy who was um, his sister is the hero of the world. You know, it's, it feels very D D. His sister is is like this massive hero, um, and he kind of gets pushed out of of the party. Um, you know, he was a a person of high rank. He um, he's. A great uh, warrior and things like that, um, but he he can't really progress anymore. He can't level up anymore. He's maxed out, um, and so he's just kind of not really kind of got anything more to offer, as it were. So he goes okay, and so he just kind of retires, and he basically starts a little potion shop because he's good at making um, health potions. Um, and this girl who he kind of, who this princess basically, who was actually really, really liked him, basically comes to find him and they move in together. Um, And the thing is that they have this really slow sort of relationship, but at the same time, it's a very quick relationship because you realize they've been in love with each other for a long time. Um, And they kind of slowly get together and it's really cute. It's it's weirdly adorable. you know, in that they kind of get engaged without even saying that they're engaged, and then Aww. you know, the, there's this whole thing like she she's just saying right, I'm gonna move in with you, um, and then he's like, well, I guess I better get you another bed, um, and they go to the shop to get to buy the bed, and the the shop owners just they're like, so you'll be wanting a double bed for the pair of you, and he's like, no, no, just two singles, and uh, and the the shop owner's like, coward and she just goes coward um and then the next thing you know they've got a double bed (laughs) further down the line and it's just this whole sort of thing like okay well it's our first night in the double bed um a little bit of i think there's a little bit of sexiness but at the same time it's it's very it's kind of closed doors nothing really happens um it's not for children that's for certain um and i haven't finished watching it but i do remember those aspects and just thinking this is cute i like their relationship i feel their relationship is is realistic and no matter what's happening in terms of the drama uh because there's all sorts of other things happening in this magical world um their relationship is just kind of a bit of a a bit of a constant they're just sort of having a nice time
1: (laughs) it's so weirdly um and Castlevania is not cosy at all people No, but Trevor <laughs> Belmont and Cypher's relationship feels cosy yes. <laughs> it's, it's a little island of cosy amidst all the bloodshed and horror
0: yes it really really is <laughs> again and I do think that it's one of those elements that is ultimately actually what makes very very dark fiction work um but yeah. in this case, you don't have to have all the dark fiction. You can just have the coziness.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Um, okay, so there's often a light and occasionally humorous tone to yeah. the narrative, um, which you know doesn't require an awful lot of explanation. But that's something I appreciate. I d- I do like you know you know me. I like my nineteenth-century novels. I also like really thinky fiction, so uh, you know things like *The Traitor Barry Cormorant, which is quite dense mm-hmm. political fantasy. Um, I I like sort of the more literary styles and things, but sometimes I don't want yeah. to work that hard. Right? <laughs> um, give me something that is sort of yeah. gently mocking, in the way that Jane Austen is gently mocking, but also poking fun at itself. And yet is more modern in how it approaches things. So it's urban fantasy without necessarily the drama that always comes with urban fantasy, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, And because urban fantasy does tend to have some quite dark elements to it, usually. Yeah. Um, And sometimes I just kind of want sort of cosy urban fantasy, as it were. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: Again, this tapped into there's always a happy ending and generally speaking even in a series you it's that resolved feeling the, the the comfort of it um this is about giving readers warm fuzzy feelings yeah. at the end and
0: because it's very character driven this can mean that in a series the plot itself uh, you know th- th- some of the main kind of conflicts might not be resolved you know there might very well still be a situation where the bad guy is still out there or something like that but because that is not actually the center of the story the characters are you can still have that very kind of comfortable ending where they're like well let's go home um And let's make fresh bread or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, this Mm -hmm. is a, this is a, your mileage may vary thing because, you know, it depends. Um, But generally these stories are rarely trite or sentimental because I think the problem with things that are trite and sentimental is that they come across as inauthentic in a lot of ways. And cosy fantasy kind of thrives off its authenticity. It's kind of like, here is the kitchen. It's not exactly modern chrome or whatever. It's a scrubbed pine table. Yeah, but of people have made food of yeah. it. It's that kind of feel. Um, and, you know, generally, the main character has personal issues to overcome. Um, it's not a case of... Yeah, again, it's the authenticity thing, I think, yeah. is the closest I can... Explain and again
0: it. it's it's worth noting that this is not a right everything goes for them straight away kind of story or that they don't have to yeah. struggle against certain things it's that they ultimately the, the struggle kind of pays off they are they kind of work together they actually have fun they find fulfillment they face problems um you know and even at times where perhaps they're they're not very wealthy or, or, you know, things haven't gone entirely well, they look back and they've they've gotten something out of it. They feel like they've succeeded in some way. Yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely. Okay, other tropes you might find in it. There's one that is an absolute classic so far in my somewhat limited reading of cosy fantasy is The New Start. So, for example, a mercenary decides they don't want to live by selling this yes. world anymore. So they go and start a coffee shop in a different yeah. part of the now, world. Now this
0: really ties in a lot with um, uh, isekai or portal fantasy, um, which again, very popular in the West, where it's literally a new start. And there are so many of these kind of these books, these novels, these animes, uh, which basically start with the main character dying um for example uh one of the ones that i mentioned earlier um about the the witch who's kind of maxed out uh what happens is that she she basically died in her office job she spent her whole time working and when she kind of went to get reincarnated um the the goddess who saw her said what do you want you know and she said well i've just spent i spent my life working and and have nothing to show for it you know i want a life now where i'm easy wherever where things are easy and i'm not you know toiling in the same way that i did before uh where i can actually just you know enjoy myself and the the goddess said okay sure thing um, and that's what she got and that's why she ends up just in this idyllic little house where she's just kind of pottering about and the only work she does is obviously to kind of keep herself by Um, You know, and it's a massive, massive thing in that people just say, uh, yeah, it's a fresh start in the form of, yes, actually nothing in my life has really been working so far. So I've got to die. But when I, but after I've died, um, I can actually have a fresh start as an entirely new person in an entirely new world, which I feel is a bit extreme, um, but it's very popular. (laughs)
1: Mm. Definitely. Um, Another trope, which obviously comes into many different types of fantasy and science fiction, etc., is the found family. Found family is kind of a keystone in cozy fantasy. Um, And we obviously don't need to explain it. And I think the reason it is kind of a keystone is it is paired with the fact that the main character is often unconventional in some way. Um, They might be emotionally scarred. Again, you don't Mm -hmm. go into it in in depth, but there's clearly something there that makes you feel that this person needs to be rewarded and deserves to be rewarded. Um, They might be unusual as a lead, so they might be an orc, they might be fairy-cursed, they might be scarred physically in some way.
0: Yeah, Um, or they might also just be a, a stranger who's just turned up in town and they don't know anybody.
1: Yeah. Um, there is definitely a hint of championing the underdog yeah. um, in these stories, I tend to find.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, and I think, again, a, a large part of why that is, is relates to the kind of people whom this particular genre is very popular with. Um, or the kind of mood that we tend to be in when we might want to read it or sort of reach for it. And that is that perhaps things are feeling a little bit tough. Perhaps you do feel isolated. Um, perhaps actually you're kind of, you feel a bit constrained in your in your world and you want to imagine a life where you're in this amazing setting, but also you're kind of living comfortably. It's not all about having to save the world. It's, hey, I live in this magical world and I spin yarn, um, which is something I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, and look how I can fit in this magical world and look how I can make friends and make connections with you know particularly a time when you might be feeling lonely or you might feel kind of isolated
1: yeah definitely Um, this isn't a trope that necessarily comes into all of them but I've noticed that if there is a love interest it's often the love interest who's the one in trouble (laughs) yes That's more often the case if we're looking at a sort of straight pairing as well. So instead of the, the bloke coming in and saving the heroine, etc., it tends to be he turns up and he's got this like wagon trail of issues yeah. <laughs> behind him. Yeah. Not for her to fix, but usually for her to poke at and say, you're not a very tidy person. Either. Yeah.
0: It's And it's really really cute um because in some ways it's almost like someone took the adventure story and went okay but let's actually look at it from the love interests perspective instead let's let's look yeah. at it from her who runs the kind of the local apothecary or, or let's look at it, her who you know it, it works in the gardens or things like that it's a little bit like patrick Ness's. the rest of us just live here um which isn't is yeah. not a, a a cozy um fantasy though it has potential elements of it it's more of a of an angsty fantasy to be honest um but yes it has yeah. kind of elements of that where actually it's just oh well you're off kind of saving the world and i am i've got to worry about the fact that we need to get the roses ready for a parade in the next few days <laughs> you know kind of thing and again it doesn't have to be quite that um you know it can be bigger things it can be smaller things um but yeah they they tend to kind of be the ones who are helping other people um get through things and i kind of like it as well i I kind of like that um and also usually the the way that they do that tends to be quite healthy too okay um yeah agreed unusual skills tend to win the day i love that trope isn't it yeah uh, this is my favourite one because, and again, it, it also ties in with how they sort of deal with conflict sometimes in that you might have a whole bunch of people trying to sort of pull out swords or things like that. And the way that you kind of, you, you derail everything sort of falling into, you know, falling to pieces or everybody hacking at each other is that an unusual skill is kind of used. It, like, a oh, hey, instead of this, how about we, we do this instead? Or uh, we'll have this kind of competition or I'm really good at this. Um, and i think of uh, okay so one small example of this which is again from one of the the light novels uh series that i, I mentioned before about the guy who was part of the hero's party so this huge warrior who then just goes off to run the local ap- apothecary in the middle of nowhere um and there's just a small conflict at one point which is that they have a local little bathhouse which has got like a steam room and stuff and the conflict for that episode is that the bathhouse is losing customers because everybody's going to the other one which is bigger and fancier um and they're like ah we'll probably have to shut and so the main the main character's like oh god uh how can we do this and the way that they resolve this is not through any kind of marketing or anything like that he goes wait i know i can make this particular kind of um uh make a sort of a particular kind of potion or or sort of bag of herbs which you basically you can just put into the sort of the fire on the sauna or hang above it um and it has medicinal properties which just helps with breathing because people have been getting colds and stuff like that um and that's how they resolve it they basically it's not right we have to destroy the other the competition it's oh no we'll just offer something slightly different something slightly unique that people will want to come here for you know on the regular and it was just such a sweet little way of doing it
1: <laughs> yeah i have to say bonus points if you have an unusual skill winning the day and it's a skill that up until that point people haven't necessarily rated yes. very highly like uh, maybe you're a confectioner and you make gorgeous chocolates but it's like yeah that's great but the the nearing city state is marching on us and they you know <laughs> they intend to raise our city yeah. to the ground kind of thing yeah And uh, you you actually manage to make these gorgeous chocolates no one can resist and they're uh, full of sleeping potions. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, That's the other thing. Big scale war and politics tend to be fringe issues at best.
0: Very, very much so. You might kind of, again, they might have some rumbles in the background, but for the most part, the the biggest centre is on obviously the characters um, just sort of getting by.
1: Another thing I like about these cosy fantasies, there turned out to be quite a Mm -hmm. lot of tropes in the end (laughs) that I noticed, but everybody has the opportunity to be good. Now, it doesn't, well, you know, to turn into a good person. It doesn't necessarily mean everybody does, but it just means that there is the opportunity, that people have the choices to actually be good. So there's that, I suppose, that equality. Even... um, even when you've got someone, a new person turning up and they're going to open a coffee shop or something mm. and the local bully turns up, instead of it being conflict for conflict and one person clearly mm. overcoming them, usually physically, um, you kind of get yeah. rid of an enemy by well, turning Well I mean,
0: <laughs> So I've got two good examples of this. Um, the first is there is a series, uh, it was on Netflix called The Good Witch, which is 100% this kind of genre. It's episodic. The main character is kind of a witch, but it's very much in the very light-hearted sort of magic realism kind of way. Um, And it's literally like just a small town. Everybody's got a few sort of different problems. um, And one by one, you know, they kind of all end up helping each other. And sometimes there's just something a little bit mystical going on. Um, And so that's very much that. And one of the big bads originally was the mayor, who was... Um, who was kind of stomping around and now she's become a regular she's actually a good friend so that's all resolved so that's that's a kind of a western tv series example um very easy watching if you've <laughs> i watched a bunch of it when i was sick and i just couldn't hold on i couldn't retain any information i just put it on uh, and i was like whatever <laughs> it's it's very it, it doesn't have a lot of substance but it's quite cute um and the other one is... Uh, okay, Paddington 2. Brilliant. Um, okay, Paddington 2. There is a scene, Paddington goes to I jail. I was not expecting
1: right. to say that, but okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Paddington goes to jail. Um, and everyone in the... Ca- you know, it's it's kind okay. of a very tough environment. He's this little bear. Um, and he introduces himself to the main chef because the main chef makes really disgusting food. He's another inmate. His name is Knuckles. Um, he makes his the food is very bad, but he's violent. And so not everyone is too afraid to actually kind of confront him about it. But Paddington goes up and confronts him. Um, and Paddington is about to get the light the, the, is about to get hit and in a, in a last sort of ditch effort to stop Knuckles from beating him to death, he grabs his marmalade sandwich from under his hat and shoves it into Knuckles's mouth. And Knuckles is so shocked and eats it and is like, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. And he, and he says the way the word marmalade like he's never heard of it. He's like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's marmalade. And he goes, marmalade. Um, and, you know, he suddenly goes, all right, this bear is under my protection. No one touches this bear. But in exchange, you are going to show me how to make this marmalade. And over the course, they go from just making marmalade to essentially transforming the whole prison cafeteria into like a boutique um cake shop and things like that and it's just everyone they just actually they also all the inmates just start all working together because they just they're like oh this is really nice and they, <laughs> they just create this whole other environment from this like hard knuckle kind of prison to what is essentially then just like this this cottage core you know ca- <laughs> cafe au but in prison um and they're getting on with the guards and stuff and they they're all kind of like showing off their true colours and stuff like that, finding themselves, you know, their art and stuff like that. Um, So that is very much (laughs) within that genre. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: That's brilliant. That reminds me of, um, you know, the film Free Guy, um, where it's obviously basically inside a video game that's supposed to be like, um, oh God, what's the name of the, I can't remember. It's one of those sort of go in, do what you want, knock over banks type video games. And um, it's towards the end when he's up against his, his, basically him from the future game that's going to wipe out this one. And the only thing he can do in the end is take off the glasses that allow him to see like um, a player and shove the glasses on him and yeah. it's that amazing metaphor for making someone else see your perspective
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's actually a really sweet film as well And I think to be honest the, one of the things I really loved about that movie is that the main core thing is that there is this kind of romance um, but yeah. the point is that they make is actually this: we can't actually have this romance because you know I'm you you're part of a different reality.
1: Yeah, I'm an algorithm and you're a <laughs> yeah, human. Yeah, exactly. Being.
0: It's, it's not, it's not going to work, long, work long, term. long term. Um and instead he has he, he's just he's sad but then he gets his friend back and it's just it's just the two of them yeah. like being best mates and i just thought their friendship is actually one of the sweetest parts of that whole movie. It's just yeah, yeah. um they just really they're two guys who actually really genuinely care about each other and i just thought that was really cool
1: definitely okay i just want to mention a subgenre mm-hmm. of cozy fantasy oh cozy fantasy has its own subgenres already uh, this is a very specific one and i have to say that i know for a fact that a lot of women have come together and deliberately written in a specific way to a specific set of tropes and it does Mm -hmm. tend to be mostly women although there are a couple of men who do now too because they wanted to create the genre in amazon's ranking terms and this is the cozy paranormal women's mystery and one of the markers of cozy paranormal women's mystery is that it has older characters the characters tend to be late 30s to late 40s but they can be in their 50s or 60s as well and it tends to be someone who gets the call to adventure much later on in their life. As in, they'll go through a, a messy divorce or something, their kids are grown up, and, oh shit, I've woken up a vampire, or, oh bugger, I, I've got magical powers, I nice. don't know how to control them. There's usually a murder mystery element as well. And they're so much fun, because it's kind of a take back of this... this mm. People say the word middle-aged, and they apply it to women... And when they apply it to women, it's kind of an insult because the suggestion is you've gone through the menopause and you're therefore your value has depreciated greatly because you can no longer bear children. Um, And you're not young anymore. So you're therefore not desirable anymore. And it takes all of that and turns on its head and says, what utter bollocks you've now got your, you can look after yourself. You've got a stable income. You've probably got your own house. You've raised children. So you're probably not scared of very much anymore. Um, you, you're you're free because you you, maybe you're through the menopause. And actually, a lot yeah. of women have said actually having gone through the menopause, there's a lot of freedom in that. Finally, with their bodies, particularly if you're someone who, like me, suffers really excruciatingly painful periods. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Um, honestly, I love it. Th- that's that's yeah. amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I want to read more in it. And you know, there can be a love story, but there doesn't have to be. It tends to be funny um i'd actually really love to write something in this sort mm. of vein um and just make it make it super cozy as well if i could keep to cozy because i'm worried that my my macabre little nature would come forward and gore would creep in even if i didn't mean it to
0: yeah i do i do have to say that the cozy i think is probably going to be the hardest part rather than anything else um but uh, yeah i mean again this was uh, within that the good witch one of the things that i did like about it is that the main character is uh um because it's based there was a series of movies essentially where she was a little bit younger um and in the movies she basically she came she was a stranger in town she arrived uh she fell in love with uh i think he was the local sheriff or something like that he had several children from a previous marriage um And she basically, uh, he married her, um, and that was that. Uh, um, And then they had their own child as well. So she's a stepmother, um, but also then a mother. And by the time the series comes along, all of her stepchildren are pretty much, uh, are all adults. Um, Her her own daughter is basically actually kind of a, a sort of late teenager at this point. Um, they're still very close. She runs she's become a, a, a widower because her husband died at the beginning of the series. Um and um she uh runs a local um hotel, essentially. She she runs a local B and B um and i kind of liked it because she's the intrinsic character she's the main character yes we do see some of the things some of the stories from her daughter's point of view and from some of the other younger characters but the main romance is between her and a, and the divorcee who moves in next door you know um yeah. and i thought that's actually kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i think there's
1: there's a lot to love about a snarky older female character who has zero shit left yeah. to give. <laughs> because you've kind of seen a lot of stuff now. And when you think about it, doesn't it make more sense to go, yeah, we need a chosen one. We don't need a 16-year-old girl. What we actually need is a woman in yeah.
0: her 40s. I can't remember who the quote is, but they, they talked about the fact... I, I can't remember who it is. It's going to come to me afterwards. Um, but it was it's this great quote which basically says, if aliens arrived and they needed a human rep- representative um, and you know they only had room in their ship for one then the person they would be most likely to choose would be a menopausal woman um, and I just think actually to be honest the, the whole quote it kind of gives the reasoning and stuff like that and I was like it honestly that makes sense it really really does make a lot of sense <laughs> yeah
1: okay so we're kind of coming to the end of the episode but I just want to talk about some of the well it's some of my favourite examples but I feel really bad I feel like I've forced <laughs> Madeline to spend Audible credits recently so
0: I'm hoping some of these are going to turn
1: into her you didn't force me you just said well. try
0: this try this so I was like okay so just get them on Audible because I trust you um, <laughs> no pressure at all <laughs> no
1: pressure it's me sweating away Okay, um, one I haven't mentioned yet. I I said Jodie Taylor doesn't really write cosy, but I genuinely think that her Nothing Girl series, which is a very short series, is actually cosy. The main character is a girl who's brought up by her uncle and aunt because her parents die, and they kind of keep her in the dark about a lot of things. And by the time the series gets started, she's kind of in her mid to late 20s. She's had a very sheltered life. They've constantly told her over and over again, and... This is, you know, very reticently explained Mm -hmm. in the narrative. So you don't get like the emotional abuse, but it's clearly there um, to say that, you know, she can't cope with things like going to university because of her fragile mental health. She's been told this since she was about seven years old when she lost her parents. And it transpires later in in, later in the book that the reason that they've been telling her this is her parents left her quite a lot of money. And they've just been, as her guardians, siphoning it off and using it for themselves for luxury holidays and things. Um, And there's a sort of magical horse that turns up and is her invisible companion through a lot of things. The horse pushes her to get into trouble and get out there a lot more, um, which leads to a really sweet, funny romance, Mm. uh, a sort of found family farm where lots of strays (laughs) get adopted and things, including um, a very noisy donkey called Marilyn. And... (laughs) It's just adorable. The main character
0: Mm.
1: basically just doesn't have much self-confidence, doesn't think a lot of herself and fades into the background and she stutters. And all of this comes down to this this continuing low-level emotional abuse she had. And by the end of the book, it is so satisfying when she turns around and basically tells her aunt and uncle where they can shove everything, despite the fact that she has difficulty talking, Mm etc. She tells them where to go and even though they've never discussed it, she sort of points at the, the man that she's been living with and saying, well, I'd rather be loved by him than <laughs> than, than just supposedly <laughs> loved by Aww. you because that's the real thing. And he sort of sat there with his mouth open because this is the first thing she's ever said about it. It's an incredibly cute book. It's really,
0: really good. And it's quite unusual okay. as I well. Really, really so like I, that's one of, of my that. top cosy. Yeah. Um. i am going to say paddington but to be honest the paddington movie the most recent the, the the more recent ones the first one is good the second one is really lovely and i would say that it kind of touches into this this genre i really do recommend it um i just think that they're really wonderful sweet and moving movies i really recommend them they're actually oh, just... They're I mean, just I've a really pleasant them, so kind of comment, read. But... Uh, well, I say read. They're a really pleasant watch. And you've got to watch the first one, but the second one I think is particularly good um, for a number of reasons. The first one is also very good. Um, it's obviously... that that they're, they're obviously family movies. They're children's movies. Um, but I think there's a whole vibe there. Um, and obviously there is also a very important message with regards to... Um, refugees and immigration and things like that because the start of the story shows the fact that paddington is uh, essentially a refugee he he stows away on the boat and he arrives in in london and there's this whole really beautiful thing which was that when the the guy from london first came and found these bears he said to them anytime you wish to come you will be welcomed in london and that's why little Paddington gets sent to London, um, because he's kind of been told just as they welcomed this human explorer, he is going to be welcomed open arms. Um, and initially, you know, he's not welcomed until someone does kind of open open their home to him. Um, and it's there's difficulties and things like that. And I just think and also there's this whole kind of subplot in the first movie with regards to the museum which i think is also rather important in terms of actually some of the context with regards to how uh some museums currently hold possessions that um of great significance to other cultures who have asked for them back and been denied uh so i think there's there's a lot of actually a lot of stuff deep underneath it but at its core it's just this very beautiful and rather sweet story about a little bear <laughs> and the second the second one is just really sweet you've got to watch it honestly the prison scene first of all you'll love knuckles i'm just putting that out there you'll just you'll love the whole Aww. thing but seriously go and if you haven't watched them yet and you want a a good kind of ah, oh, this is actually really nice movies set of movies watch them okay
1: um i mentioned the 10th kingdom before and it's quite difficult to track down i think you've kind of got to do it on dvd or blu-ray now and mm-hmm. see, Madeline is yeah. one talking about, it shouldn't in theory be cosy because it doesn't shy away from the nastier <laughs> aspects of fairy tales, but the nastier aspects are kind of played more for laughs in this. Yeah. And it is, again, it's got all those tropes, it's got the found family, you kind of know where the story's going. Um, yeah. Uh, it's that new start thing, the new way of looking at the world. It's just an amazing sort of conglomeration of of the portal fantasy type. Cozy. Yeah yeah i just completely agree um i've obviously raved about legends and lattes by travis baudry that was one of the things i made madeline (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) so i really
1: hope she's gonna love it as much as i do and it's just super super cute um uh, as i mentioned an orc mercenary doesn't want to be a mercenary anymore, so she moves to a different part of the kingdom and she opens a coffee shop they've never encountered coffee before Hilarity ensues. <laughs> a succubus comes and becomes her business partner. It was a really sweet romance. Guys, just go and read it if oh, you haven't it's read it so, already. That's so <laughs>
0: cute.
1: <laughs> um, I'll, I'll mention the last one, the next mm. one, at the end. Um, I also find the book Howl's Moving Castle mm-hmm. very cosy. And there are aspects of the film which are cosy, but maybe not the entirety no. of the uh, film. Yeah but when she's off shopping in the market and they're making breakfast and yeah, things, to be honest any time in
0: Studio Ghibli where there's anything to do with food with them making food that's the vibe it's <laughs> <That's cozy. Yeah. laughs> it's cosy it's cosy but the book is
1: just its if someone sat down and wrote the perfect fairy tale that mm-hmm. would be Howl's Moving Castle I think except that it's not well it doesn't shy away from unpleasantness it delivers yeah. it to you in a cosy manner yeah I'd manner. agree with that um, one of my new favourites I mentioned uh, during our Regency fantasy one, yeah. and that is Half a Soul by Olivia Atwater, so I won't go into detail again and again <laughs> <laughs> so sort of twisted Madeline's arm behind her back and said you must buy this um, but yeah, it, it's brilliant really, really sweet romance and again, you've got the unusual character who is physically altered because she's yeah. been fairy cursed and she's very different internally as well, Aww. and it's just adorable, <laughs> it's an amazing book really loved it And my final cosy example is A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking by T. Kingfisher Um, this could be read as middle grade it could be read Mm. as younger YA or you can read it and enjoy it as an adult as I have Um, it follows a young um, mage called Mona who is actually a bread mage she's a baking mage she works in her aunt's bakery and one morning she comes down and there's a dead body in the floor which is not great but again we've got that sort of cozy paranormal mystery vibe right there and it turns out that she has stumbled on the beginnings of a plot to overthrow the city kingdom ruled by the duchess and it's i mean think about all the ways you could use magic in bread to defend a city i promise you you will not have got there um with this book it's it's adorable it's funny it's really sweet and there is that that slight hint of whimsy in there as well and it's two young characters a 14 year old mage baker and a 10 year old street boy called spindle who they kind of adopt each other because it was his sister who was murdered um gosh and it's just oh and there's also a sentient sourdough starter called bob important to Uh, mention that
0: thank you very much for that that changes everything uh... <laughs> if that doesn't make you go well I must read that <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't know what works I've, I've already bought it <laughs> Okay Um. so question before we go then would we write Cozies?
1: I would try Yeah. I'm not convinced I would succeed because
0: again I am a bit of a, a gore hound um, yeah. See this is the problem right because um as you are well aware I like to write fan fiction of my friends work. Um I do this often. Uh, sometimes I I kind of write mixed ones uh with my characters their characters etc uh you know crossovers um which <laughs> Jules is very aware of. This. <laughs> These are written yes. entirely <laughs> for our own amusement um and of ov- obviously never going to see the light of day. Um, and what happened is that i've done a couple of times where i've started it and it's been a cozy it's been a cozy fantasy or or just a, a cozy contemporary and then it quickly <laughs> i quickly start inserting serious drama but it, it i think it still kind of falls into the cozy because it's actually about yes they've had some of them have serious issues um and some of them go through some serious stuff but ultimately it's actually about them getting better and the found family and the support and you know making cakes or 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 going and volunteering or stuff like that um and yeah I absolutely love writing that and I think at some point I would love to write a series I actually have a series in my head of cozy kind of Uh, mysteries or like a a sort of cosy kind of stories um, which at some point may see the light of day um, but that remains to be seen
1: (laughs) yeah see I've got a a series in my head as well Um, I know who the main characters are, I'd really really love to write it, I think I'd have to do it under a pen name um, not because nobody must know, but just because I don't want to mix up my genres any more than I already have.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's entirely fair. Um, I think I probably would do the same as well. Um, but yeah, whether whether I ever actually end up writing it or not, considering I just the feel, backlog. <laughs> I, just,
1: I just feel like your cosy fantasy would be the only cosy fantasy with regular cannibalism.
0: <laughs> S- stop! <laughs> i would not be including that in <laughs> that's <laughs> really comforting to hear. draw the line jesus <laughs> i don't add cannibalism to all of my books god
1: <laughs> well you know not by the time we see the editing, oh, so. shut
0: up. <laughs> but yeah what i what's something i might like to do at one point is actually maybe do a little anthology with some of the characters with some of the like the side characters from some of my series um and just have little cozy stories with them i might like to do that again whether it ever gets released or not again if that's anything something that anyone would be interested in remains to be seen but that might be something that i share with you guys because um Jules has very kindly once said that a uh, mind of the character, she wouldn't mind just watching them have a cup of tea. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, so that, yes, so. Um, I think maybe, um, but it's not on the on the cards right now, as it were. Yeah. Well, yeah. on that note, uh, it's time for us to finish up. Uh, what about you guys? Have you read, watched, listened to any? Uh, cosy Um, fantasies recently or or cozy kind of speculative fiction do you think we've missed out any? Have you read or watched any of the ones that we've mentioned? Um, Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Remember you can get in touch with us via our Facebook our Tumblr or our Twitter both individually or through the Dissecting Dragons pages now we do have a recommendation for today uh, but I believe it's one that you've already talked a little bit about Jules. Yeah
1: so if you didn't get the message before I think you should all go and either you know You should go and buy The Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking, basically, um, because it's a really sweet, funny, and warm little fantasy book that um, is loads and loads of fun, and I highly recommend it. Yeah.
0: And on that note, guys, we'll say thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah,
1: thanks and goodbye. Bye! You've been listening to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast. You can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from iTunes. For more information, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissectingreaders or check out our author websites at jaironside.com and madelinevaughn.com. Please note that no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast.